greetings and salutations, everybody. It's D'Angelo, and I'm here with another episode of Bald and Bingeable, the show that takes a look at all the pop culture we consume, the stuff you are insatiable for, and the stuff you find truly bingeable. You guys, today in with me, I have some wonderful people I am looking at. They come to you guys from the Tragic Mess, the Dark Comedy and Trauma podcast. I know you guys, it sounds really deep and it really does go there. You guys listen to it. It's Okay, so you guys, I have Eric Benson with me and also Roman Valenzuela. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, how you doing? <laughs> Good, how are you guys? Yes. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I have lots of questions for you guys, just because, I mean, you guys, their podcast is called Tragic Mess, okay? Like, it's, <laughs> like it really is. And it's like, I know a tragic mess or two in my day. <laughs> so, how did this come about with you guys? It's something that I've just, I've dipped in here and there on your podcast. You guys, they have some really cool episodes. You're one with Raquel. Oh, and then... um. Chad Michaels, I completely just yeah, like yeah. into that one recently. So love your stuff. But then how did you guys come up with this whole tragic mess in, in the focus? Well, actually, um, what I'll do is I'll let uh, Eric actually take <laughs> the leads on that because it was originally his kind of brainchild. Okay. Um, and then I'll come in at a later point. So once I start to kind of come in, then you'll hear from both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so there was, it was a... Uh... It was a very interesting experience, um, the pandemic for everybody for the most part. So uh, I had hit pretty much an all time low of just depression and stuff like that during this whole situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went through and just thought, of, I, I was, we, as in people in my head, but, but we um, basically, I went to figure out how to help people, but I didn't know to at the same time because I didn't want people feeling the same way. So uh, I wanted to make sure that in a way I could express myself. And I've always wanted to do a podcast because I'm obsessed with like my favorite murder and such. So if they can talk about murder, then we can talk about the darkest trauma that people have been through and make it still laughable, but also get our point across. So I kept doing that and coming up with different things, uh, titles, and I settled upon Tragic Mess because I figured it was easily sellable, but also I've definitely been called it in my life. <laughs> and uh, down the road, I just- Eric is a Tragic all. Mess? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to own it and move forward, but uh, you also don't know what somebody's really, really going through. So this is an opportunity for people to tell their stories and also talk about how they made a comeback uh, or recovered or ha showed some resilience. And I think that that can be very powerful in the message that you put across. So when I had the opportunity and some assistance, mm -hmm. we uh, set up a little, little studio in my room with a glass table that echoed and- <laughs> Yeah, well, so, so yeah, so that's kind of where I start to come in. Um, so, you know, Eric had taken the, uh, the initiative and had bought uh, studio equipment for himself. Oh my God, so, girl, you he, really did that. <laughs> oh, he did, it, he did it, yeah. You know, cause he had originally approached me. He's like, hey, how would you like to help me produce a podcast? You know, and- uh, <laughs> Took a minute to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> and at first I'm like, okay, well, you know, how would you like me to contribute to helping you? And so um, I had done some kind of technical work in, in the studio here at Seamless Podcast for a while and everything was relatively new to Eric. So Eric was like, well, why don't you come over and just kind of see what I have and then um, help me out and we'll go from there. So I get to his apartment and literally he converted his bedroom into this mini studio. <laughs> and he, he, he had bought himself this little mixer 
and you know two studio grade microphones um and then uh he had this glass table and then i think uh you had you'd removed everything from the back uh, oh, my, wall, yeah. yeah and then i had a new brand new computer and everything new mac yeah and he got himself a new macbook and everything so you know when i saw that i'm like okay he's gonna take this seriously and he at least wants to try to do this you know mm -hmm. so uh because i kind of feel like a lot of people you know have this grand idea of of thinking, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. But then when it actually comes down to the nitty gritty, there's a lot of work involved. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I had kind of wanted to change careers because I was in the service industry for quite some time mm -hmm. uh, pre-pandemic. And uh, pandemic kind of switched that up for me a little bit. Like and everybody, so I thought yeah. that this would be a great project, you know, to embark on. Mm -hmm. And so I came on technically as producer. <laughs> so you know and eric benson was host so i'm like yeah sure i'll sit back i'll record your audio you know and just kind of get a feel for this didn't happen for long though because he was chiming in <laughs> uh -huh. off the get-go like, so i think about this and so what about that and yeah he, he was hopping and i was like just get the fuck over here well cause, cause and you eric were open to time. it <laughs> yeah yes yes which was which was excellent so you know eric has all the connections in the community and he has quite a plethora of friends right mm -hmm. uh so our first episode uh thanks to lovely Lindsay, um <laughs> was it's called big dick energy right uh-huh and so i'm sitting there and as i'm recording the audio i'm realizing that this really has the chance to become something legitimate because here we are you know i we have this uh this this lovely woman in front of us who's ready to divulge you know basically her tragic mess of her life and we were able to ask questions and get down into the nitty gritty that I feel like a lot of people are either scared or timid uh, to do and embark on. So after we finished the recording, the first she, got episode, into, like, she got into crazy stuff like addiction. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if, if for anybody who didn't listen, it was about getting out of a cult mm -hmm. and the mental struggle that comes along with that. And, you know, you only kind of get those stories from HBO documentaries and stuff. Yeah. So it was really cool to sit with somebody. And um, it also really showed that I don't ask as many questions as I think I do because I she was, she was saying things that I just never heard from a mm. friend before. So after that, I think that really sold Roman and we just kind of yeah. <laughs> went balls to the wall yeah. on trying to get these stories. And we recently just released another one and there's that the, we, we talk murder suicides and all these different things that just blow my mind mm -hmm. and um <laughs> it attacks yeah. us sometimes so some of you guys don't know eric um is actually he's an artist so eric creates fine art you guys if you guys live in san diego if you are around san diego take a stroll down one of the neighborhoods over and like or take a stroll down a street in hillcrest because you guys will see some of his street art and that sort of thing and so eric it's just it's so funny to see this evolution of you because when i first met you you were working for a corporate hotel what you were like in a little suit and everything else and it was when that hotel was taking like a little bit of a change and so because i worked there as well like at one point yes. you know in the past and then um all of a sudden it was like oh this eric guy and then it was like oh eric is in his underwear painting somewhere who who's eric <laughs> who is eric who is this person and so just kind of seeing who you are through that and then becoming your friend on Facebook and then seeing what really pulls your heart, what, what kind of um, accountability you try to have to yourself and also to your community, which I think is very commendable. You're uh, going to protests and also your art always has a message behind it. And so 
it was really cool to see you take that and then put it into this form of like podcast. Cause I feel like everybody in the, like in the pandemic, it became like this thing of like, okay, well, who's going to start a podcast? Who's going to start a web show? Who is going to just start yeah. something that, because I think there was a point too, where I, I've been going back and forth with, with doing bald and bingeable for a while now. And we had binge bitches like last summer. And before yeah. that, I just, I had some collaborations with some people that I love. And then there was also some other things that kind of came in that just, it didn't work. You know what I mean? And so it was like setting out because I had like something to say in a different way. And so it was cool seeing you were like in your own lane coming up with this, with this tragic mess and everything. And so I really, really find that amazing. How did you guys meet though? Because you guys seem like you guys have known each other forever. (laughs) So the way, uh, how we met, yeah. So the way that uh, we met, he actually was a guest on one of the hosts that I produce for Seamless Podcast called Mm. Scarlet. So he, so Scarlet Santa Maria, uh, you can find her at the Scarlet Letter Show. Um, So she brings on people uh, that are artists that are associated with nightlife and so on and so forth. And so Eric actually came in uh, to record an episode. And so uh, when, so, you know, at, at the time I was, uh, I was doing some assistant producing. And so I was just kind of doing behind the scenes work and whatnot. And so uh, what really initially drew me to Eric was that he was very passionate about what it was that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very charming and he was, you know, he was pretty well-spoken. And so I immediately thought, okay, I need to know this guy. I need to see what's going on with him because um, because he had also done a lot of stuff in the community as well. Mm-hmm. And so he was very integrated in all of that, in all that aspect. And, you know, uh, uh, prior to this, I kind of wasn't really that integrated in the Hillcrest community. I used to work at Martini's and I was there for about maybe two and a half years. Um, but uh, for the most part, I kind of really just shied away from Hillcrest. And so it was kind of fascinating that Eric <laughs> is so, you know, so integrated because he was telling me about, you know, the, what is it, the mayor of Hillcrest and Nicole. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, he just has all these, you know, and here's this world because I had lived in New York and I lived in San Francisco. Um, and so I was very integrated in the Castro in San Francisco. And so after that, I was like, okay, I get it. I, yeah, you know, the neighborhoods, gay neighborhoods are great, but I never really, you know, tried to integrate into that, into that realm. Um, so yeah, to put roots down for it's a funny. While, it's funny because when you do look at like the gay communities, cause I also, I'm, I'm I come from New York, you know, New York city and uh-huh. that sort of a thing. And so, you know, oh, we, nice. we think that um, our gay community is a, is a certain way. And I've also lived in like in Ohio like so I've been close to Pittsburgh and Cleveland and that and so there's a surface part of like the gay community that you see all the clubs you see whatever drag queens that are around and then and then all of a sudden you get like a layer deeper yeah and you get that layer deeper and there's like a community thing and then with the whole with with, especially with San Diego um it could be very much like high school because everybody knows everybody and everybody is kind of like, and it it, it really is. It's, it's a weird place. And so I love living in San Diego, but it is something that to be said that our, our gay community is so different. Like, even if you take us from LA, it's so spread out in LA, you know what I mean? And, and so I just, um, that's just, it, it fascinates me whenever I hear people that work in the industry, but don't, but haven't actually like stepped their whole entire foot in. And then you step your whole body in during a pandemic. So you're really getting to know like the little details about people. When did you know that like 
podcasting and this the audio form was going to be for you guys personally i knew for a while like last year i just was trying to find the convincing topics that would 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 solidify my placement in doing podcasts um i really wanted to do it for a while like i said i binge a whole bunch of different uh podcast too um one of my favorite ones is spooked and when you listen to that it, he produces such a cool show the music to the scary storytelling all of it's amazing so i wasn't sure if i wanted to write stories or tell stories or if i wanted to do interviews but with this we kind of get best of both worlds mm-hmm. and it still gets dark <laughs> mm-hmm. but um i think in the long run of it all i knew probably around august maybe June, July-ish of last year. And that's when I started saving up money and whatnot to purchase all the supplies and um, tools that were necessary to make Tragic Mess happen. But I don't think as far as it goes, we, I didn't know that this was going to be successful until the response came out. I I was super just appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. And then for the first couple episodes, he was coming through and he'd be like, okay, I actually believe in this now. And I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> okay, thank God. So it was really cool, but it's been an uh, ever-growing process to, oh, should we be doing this? Should we be, be telling people story of this nature? Mm-hmm. This, is this too taboo? Mm-hmm. To going back and forth between, this is amazing. I'm so yeah. proud of this. This is awesome. Let's keep going. Well, and Eric was the one that originally got me involved in podcasts because I hadn't really listened to podcasts all t- too much, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, You know, prior to this. Um, so Eric really just kind of opened up my eyes to the world of podcasting and I had a studio, you know, at my, I have a studio at my disposal. Mm -hmm. So, um, in my, in my mind, when, what really makes a podcast stand out obviously is the content, right? So if I'm going to spend time listening to something then I want to listen to something that's going to be really engaging and leave some sort of mark on me, which is the reason why I took Eric up on the originally on the I know on the offer to produce because Aww. yeah, yeah. Cause you know, Eric, he, cause he came to me and he's like, Hey, I just really need someone to help me do this and produce and, you know, have all this come to fruition. So I'm like, you know what, this is going to be a really good experience for me. I'm going to get it under my belt. I'm already working in a studio. But I, didn't, I, I also didn't want anybody to kiss my ass though. Yeah, no, so no, 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 no. So at the very beginning, we butted heads completely. Oh my completely, gosh. Completely, completely. But it's, the thing is, is that it's a good thing because uh, if you really want something to be successful, you can't surround yourself with yes people. Yeah. You just can't. True. True, true. You need people that are going to challenge your ideals and your and your concepts. So that way it creates this kind of synergy that allows for true success. Different perspectives. And different perspectives as well. And so that's why Eric kind of brought me on because I'm I tend to be of a logistical nature. Whereas uh, Eric tends to be a little bit more passionate about <laughs> how he goes about doing things. Watch your words. <laughs> uh, but to get back to your original point, I think that our dynamic is important, especially when dealing with topics of the nature that we're doing, because, you know, Tragic Mess is a dark comedy and trauma podcast. But we don't want to go mess up and do uh, shows that offend people in a certain way you don't want to make light of the situation i mean i think that's the whole thing is is that you guys want to give respect and do and that you guys can be comic and have a have a little zinger here and there off off the cuff and have a giggle but then at the same time that the actual things that i mean because when you think about trauma it's life-changing it's something that that is completely so to make light of something that is so big in somebody's life is is a big deal Mm -hmm. 
So I want to get into a little bit more of like the binge of it all. And so when you guys think so, okay. <laughs> now, Eric has already mentioned like my favorite murderer and that sort of a thing. Eric, are you listening to the stuff while you're painting? Are you listening to the stuff while you're running? What is, where, where do you listen? Okay, honestly, it's most likely that I'm cleaning when I listen to my favorite murder. Uh, <laughs> because um, I get to, when I'm doing dishes and whatnot, I will I will listen to this. Or, but you know what? I'm not opposed to going to bed listening to it. I'm a true crime fanatic. So when I'm listening, I can be, they can be talking about plucking somebody's eyes out and I'm just sleeping peacefully with my melatonin and just going to bed. That's my <laughs> partner with, with like the first, like the first 48 and like forensic files. My partner falls asleep to that shit. Like, and it's like, are you serious? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. I don't know why it's just the whole psyche of it to me is exciting in a way because how do you get to the point where you premeditate something so terrible to somebody so getting into the psyche of all that and thinking about it ugh, it's uh, it's chef's kiss into uh, you know entertainment for me but yeah i'm usually cleaning <laughs> doing the most innocent thing while listening to somebody's like last final moments <laughs> okay that's a little bit disturbing. Hey, Okay, so getting into like the movies and music and everything else of it all. Okay, so one of the things that I saw that on Romans and, and my little pre-interview couple questions that I sent over to you, um, you're big into Star Trek. I'm yes. yes. You I'm, don't, and you don't look like somebody who would be into Star Trek. Like Roman, you guys. Ro, <laughs> Roman is like an attractive guy. You guys, like he's not like somebody you would think that is going to be like sitting in his basement watching like Star Trek. And then he's like, I've watched the movies over and over again. I've seen the series. You've seen the series start to finish a few times. Oh yeah. Okay. So what? Where was that draw? Where Where did you get into Star? What is the Star uh, Trek? Uh, mm -hmm. so it, it honestly it's so okay so i'm an only child right <laughs> okay uh, and over the summer um i would go over to my grandparents house to while my parents went off to work space the final frontier so i was pretty much left to my own devices you know during the summer i would go outside and play but then i would always also you know have access to the tv and whatnot and my uncle, who uh, was is about 15 years older than, than I am, um, he had a he had a state of the art sound system at my grandparents' house, and you know VHS, VCR, when those were like big, you know. And um, what I I had always been fascinated with space and astronomy, all all forms of that. And so the reason why I was drawn to Star Trek was because you have a group of people who. Uh, that are in the future who are able to explore all of these strange new worlds that I had or could only imagine about. Um, and so strangely enough, I came into Star Trek by watching the original movies. So oh. Star Trek one through Star Trek six. So that was my introduction to it. And Star Trek one, the motion picture, which I that. actually yeah, just right. showed. Yeah, I just showed so it. So he, he brought my ass into Star Trek now too, because um, <laughs> he showed me and then we were just, I don't know. I got really interested into it. It's a slower movie, slower pace and all that stuff, um, but the whole aesthetic of it, it was beautiful. And he goes, I'm sure that you might not like this. Let me know if you want to change it. I'm like, this is fine. Stop. This is amazing. <laughs> um, so, so I, so one of the things that drew me to it too was uh, the music was the soundtrack. So uh, this, the first movie was composed by the late Jerry Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. um, and I had always, I had been exposed to classical music and instrumentation when I was young by my mom. Um, 
because she was obsessed with classical music. She used to have cassette tapes and used to listen to that. Uh, so I, I developed an appreciation for that at a very young age. And so what I really truly fell in love with was the soundtrack to Star Trek, the motion picture, which- How I, elevated. <laughs> like yeah, this, yeah. Very haunting and beautiful. <laughs> and also, you know, the, the story is, is about this, this machine intelligence that's on its way to earth to find its creator. Mm-hmm. And spoil it. You guys, if you're listening to Bald and Benja, we are going to spoil things. You guys know this. You look at the show notes because we're going to talk about Handmaid's Tale and some other things in a little bit. So just look oh, at the show yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, you're giving away, he, and, he's, and he's spoiling a movie that's like, how old? Come on, girl. So there's no, it's already been spoiled <laughs> multiple mm-hmm. times. Rathacon was hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then plus, uh, you know, because I'm 38, so at the time, you know, special effects uh, was all done through model work, and they did a really good job. So there was no CGI. So I also kind of had an appreciation for that, and the special effects at the time were very eye-catching. Uh, so I just kind of liked the whole photon torpedo, warp speed, Captain Kirk, you know, communications officer, and, and yeah, the cloud. So all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so that, that's how that's how I originally got, uh, you know, hooked onto that. And then when I would come home after school, Star Trek The Next Generation was also on air as well. Mm-hmm. So I came into Star Trek through Star Trek The Next Generation through Captain Picard. <laughs> and counselor troy <laughs> you know and her empathic abilities and stuff so i just have always liked that I plus love that. Uh, a lot of the stories serve as an allegory a social allegory for for whatever's happening in the world so i liked the play on that as well the morality play absolutely so, yeah there's also something too to um they were a diverse cast before there was like yes. a, before there was well, diversity Trek- in a lot of things Star Trek really truly was one of the first I I guess you could kind of say woke shows because that's why I like watching the original series is because the way that they were able to get around uh, the censorship of the time is that well technically didn't they have the first interracial kiss they did they they Mm -hmm. had one of the first interracial kiss on 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 uh, on air a video and then uh, but the way that they got around that is they painted people green they put wigs on them Mm-hmm. You know, and so the censors then were just like, well, what's this crazy madness? You know, oh, the Captain <laughs> Kirk in space, uh, whatever. But they were able to tell uh, social, they were able to tell stories about social commentary. So like the one that sticks out in my mind uh, is where they, Captain Kirk and crew come to this planet where everyone is, one half of them is white and one half of them is black. Oh. But uh, there's this outcast who is trying to seek refuge because um, he had a genetic mutation where it was opposites. So the opposite side was white and the opposite side was black. Obviously, it's a commentary on race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, it delves into some really, really key issues on um, what exactly uh, divides us as far as prejudice is concerned. And so I think it's, it's, it's great the way that they tackled that. Did Roman just convince me to want to watch Star Trek? Is that <laughs> happening? Like, is that like, is that a moment? Like, okay, because I've never like felt like the desire. Because I did, I discovered Star Wars in, okay, d- d- yeah, d- during quarantine. It was like um, right before, right at like last like April. And I was like, I'm stuck at home. I have Disney Plus. All the movies are on here. So it was like, let's let's dive in. And so I had never, I, I watched them when I was like, maybe like five years old. You know what I mean? Like I watched like the first and second one. And 
it just never was something that just kind of like latched into me. And then last year it just became like this thing. And I think that there's a certain amount of escapism too, that you get to find in these things that are extraterrestrial and that are outside of this world, because you're just watching something, you know, that is foreign to you, you know? And so that, that's, that's very, very cool. I love too, that there is a little bit of a nostalgic factor though, too, for you. Like there's family that, that also, that kind of resonates in there. So you kind of get some memories that, you get those those good those good memories like I don't like like Matlock or Columbo but it reminds me of my grandmother and it reminds me of my dad so like I'll like leave it on in the background you know what I mean like it's just it's comfort watch at this point oh exactly and I think that's why a lot of people actually do watch reruns of old shows is because it really is more about the emotion that's attached to that to mm-hmm. that whole viewing experience where do you um, sit on the Star Wars versus Star Trek kind of those um, people I- so like for instance what do you mean so like uh, what do i prefer more or like when people are like oh one's trash one is better than the other you know that kind of a thing uh, i think it's silly because i appreciate both and the thing is is that the star wars universe isn't that big to be honest because you have you know maybe about 12 movies that are related to star wars you know you have the original trilogy you have the the two newest trilogies and then you have rogue one and then you have some other stuff um so i i people that people like star wars because of all the pew pews and like all the you know (laughs) blowing up death star and the action of it and star trek is more of a philosophical it now star trek has its battles and this and that and when they execute them well it's executed extremely well Mm -hmm. but uh, star trek is more about uh, is more of a social commentary because you had Captain Kirk, you know, who was this womanizer in space, but he had this international and interracial crew. I mean, you had Chekhov, who's Russian. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Michelle Nichols, uh, Lieutenant, you know, Commander Uhura, who was black, mm-hmm. um, in a position where she was constantly in in shot and in frame at a time when black people weren't really in prominent roles. You had Scotty with his Scottish accent. You know, so you, so it brought a lot of that exposure to the forefront. Then uh, you, you had Star Trek Voyager, for instance, first female captain ever. So, you know, that kind of acted as uh, as a gateway for for that whole role of women, of women being in power. And then you had Deep Space Nine, where you had the first commander that was black in charge of a space station. So you literally have the main character uh, be African-American. And let's be real, you know, this was in the nineties. And so that, uh, you know, having black people in prominent or just people in color in general in prominent mm-hmm. roles just wasn't something that you often saw. And they were ready and they were willing to go ahead and, and go out there and take those chances. Nice. I took an acting class once with Kate Mulgrew. Oh, um, you did? Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, back in in college. Um, yeah, she she did a special series with us, and I want to say that she was one of the coolest teachers I've ever had, and she was very just um, present with us. And uh-huh. she gave us like little tips, and the little things that she did too that just kind of like humanized like what she did. I remember, she had this thing that when you first get on set, you need to take a look at everything around you and greet everybody and make sure you greet the cast, you greet your crew, but then you go up to the camera and you go to the camera and you whisper to the camera, are we going to like each other today? Are we going to have a good day? (laughs) And then you walk away. And like, that was like, that was like her moment. And it was just like, Oh, 
okay. And so, and it was just this whole thing that she just had to appreciate the camera because the camera was going to reflect whatever she was going to do. So she would give a kiss to the camera and walk away. And it was just like, okay. And so like, I remember all these people after that um, in our classes, they would like walk in and you'd see them like whisper to the camera and like walk away. And I was like, oh, they're really trying to do the Kate Mulgrew thing. Okay. <laughs> like so, gave like this, this whole thing. But yeah, I remember I, I met her back then. It was like after she had just come off of, of uh, the, you know, the Star Trek series. Let's get into Handmaid's Tale. You guys, a brand new season of Handmaid's Tale is out there right now. If you guys not have, have not caught up on it, please be due warned. We will probably spoil some things right now. There are four episodes out when we are recording this. Um, are you guys all caught up on everything right now? Yes, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I have some like little things. Okay, so here's my first reaction and then we can just open this up. So when I first started the season, when I, I was kind of apprehensive and you guys both sent me back, you know, that you guys are both watching Handmaid's Tale. I was like, oh, I guess I gotta watch it right now because I'm all up to date up until this season. But it's one of those series that I have to watch with like a handful of Xanax, you know? Like it's just like, it's, like, it's stressful. And you know, there's lots of, I mean, talk about tragic and trauma. Like this is like, there is some, some really really crazy stuff in those first two seasons and this one starts back on this season either huh they're really not holding back on this season either no what was different with this season though is it started off and it kind of felt like a jennifer garner harrison ford action movie you know what i mean like it was like we're gonna get some hope we are getting the, like we're, we're getting badass moments of like the girls walking in like slow motion as something big happens behind them and it was like oh i can get with this and i text my friend i was like oh girl start watching it it's like harrison for jennifer garner movie then the third episode comes around and i'm like this is hostile what just happened <laughs> it just became the hostile movie series so like what has what have you guys been thinking about this season so far? I am I'm I love it because it you for some reason last season I thought it was it was pretty much done. You know, June was being carried out, she made her statement, the kids got out, but this post situation situation <laughs> where mm -hmm. the kids are now out, but it's kind of countries are conflicting people are refugees i mean we're seeing a whole different aspect of things and then on top of that childhood trauma from uh miss the uh, i can't think of her name right now but Janine. um she's just standing around smoking she's like 14 years old and just scared and angry oh, miss the, uh, you miss keys mrs yeah. keys yeah. and uh she is just a badass herself but it shows that at that age time frame period what that impact has done to her and where she's at and then they're just over here picking plants off the ceiling and making the poison i was like damn they're going off this season and it's just amazing to me but the reflection of how much people can tolerate and how much they'll take and the anger within everybody this season is crazy amazing to watch i think and i think everybody who's acting in it is executing it perfectly yeah yeah I feel um, like my side, uh, I think it's an extremely engaging uh, season because what we're seeing, I, I kind of feel like this season is actually setting it up for the, the series finale. I don't really feel like uh, maybe we have one more season. I think it was approved for one more season as of mm -hmm. now. And I don't really think it should go beyond season five um, just because you can only draw this out so long. Uh, but what's fascinating to me is that the, the emotional depth 
and transformations that these characters are going through mm-hmm. are things that you could actually see really truly happen in today's life because a lot of the scenarios and situations that are in this fictional place called Gilead you're seeing a lot of the seeds of that here and now because Eric pointed out to me uh, about uh, what was it teen? it was about it was like prices Craig uh, crisis pregnancy centers yeah we had pregnancy a- crisis centers um and it's and so you know that's shown in one of the episodes when janine uh she knows she's trying to seek out an abortion and the internet redirected her to this this entrapment entrapment basically yeah and, and those things, things those things actually exist now yeah and the fact that they that- put that out there that it was like this is such they ripped the veil that down from like where how that's happening and, and this is happening i think in a lot of places too that don't have as much access and they're not as metro as we are you know what i mean like you yeah, we, we, we look at things from our little bubble of san diego la new york city that kind of a thing and then when you think about those middle states when you get into the square states when you get in there oh, yeah. this is really happening and at a mass and, and a big bit a big rate exactly. well it's a saturday today and walking down to the studio we have to pl- pass up planned parenthood yeah there's, and there's a boycott happening right now there's a there. demonstration right now yeah. happening at Planned Parenthood. And when I walk through there, I'm just thinking, it's intense. Oh my God, this is it's a handmaid's tale, literally <laughs> the the like the prelude <laughs> to the handmaid's tale. One of the things I'm loving about this season that um they've kind of put a nice little like a I don't know, a feather on the cap, so to speak, is with the commander and Serena and like that oh. whole relationship and that dynamic. So, yeah, we, we have we have the commander who, you know, played by Joseph Fiennes, who in the past seasons, you know, we know that he's done terrible things and all these horrible things. But then there was these moments of like, well, maybe he's not that bad because he's, you know, and then this season it was just like, no, he is that bad. And now he has yeah. nothing left. Look how terrible he is. And so... It's kind Especially of reflective. Now that he was wasting away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did a really good job with his look because now he just looks like this frail old man. Yeah. He used <laughs> to know. be kind of sexy a little bit. And now you're just like, I don't like you. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like you. And you're weak. And I want to break you in half. Yeah, the Joseph um, finds it all because he, he used to be hot. And now it's just kind of like, you are an oh, aggressor, sir. <laughs> like, like, also, the thing that really intrigues me is with Serena, you're look, you're really looking into her verse battle in her head internally about did I deserve this or didn't I? I, you know, and so well, that, like, did she sleep? Did he sleep with anybody else yeah. besides you were your handmaid? Was this uh, verbally abusive? What happened to your pinky? Like, well, that's what's so uh, fascinating about Serena's character is that she's a woman and she's allowing all of this to happen. You know, that's why a lot of the the villain, the female villains in this series are so uh, intriguing to me is because there are some women who agree with a lot of what, you know, Gilead is trying to execute. Uh, Lydia. And Lydia, for instance, you know, she reminds me of, you know, this uh, of of the character that she is, this older woman who, you know, hasn't really found love the way that she kind of wants it to be reciprocated. Um, And then on top of that, you know, she, uh, she's semi-religious. And so she has these values that are, are above her that were instilled upon her instead of her coming to those conclusions herself. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have a lot of worldly experience with dating, with meeting people. And so she's found her strength in this, in this structure, in this power position, in this power position. Um, And, and I feel like that's what a lot of women who are similar to her turn to religion for 
but it's yeah. really sad though because it's it's extremely sad because Aunt Lydia's finding trying to find love in different avenues and exactly. just being abusive as but everything about she, it. I, I feel like I, I don't know if she's I if she's to about to her. snap. I feel like in this season we're gonna we're gonna figure out if there's any kind of redeeming qualities to Aunt Lydia. Well, when she's getting tort when she when June's getting tortured. Aunt Lydia's there and she blames Aunt Lydia. And then you can see a little bit of a, a, a snapback to coming yeah, back into like, emotions. Oh, and and she's so right about me. Yeah. And and that's the thing is that, you know, there is a part of her uh, and but the way that they do all the facial captures in this, it's so funny. That's why, you know, Elizabeth Moss is so perfect because her face just speaks volumes. She can go blank in a yeah, second. She, she <laughs> goes blank and that's what this, this yeah, that's what this series has been so much about is about those like face close-ups you know <laughs> those when she's when she's steaming mad or when she's just yeah, like, yeah. mad or and like mad face is as iconic as like viola davis's snotty nose cry uh-huh. yeah <laughs> it's like we're gonna focus oh. on her forehead and we're gonna do some forehead acting right now so, <laughs> like, so with the whole aunt lydia situation i have a feeling we're gonna start seeing some of that thing because what they did with us this, this these past couple episodes too janine you know the girl with the with the eye patch is that we're getting that orange is the new black treatment on her where we're gonna we're getting the past we're starting to see that like how you mentioned that when she goes to the um, abortion clinic what she thinks is an abortion clinic and then the two different dichotomies of like one that is a church-led clinic that is trying to make people feel bad for their decisions that they're making and the other one that's just like it's none of my business you want to do this here's how it is here's the facts you know yeah we're seeing that kind of thing with 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 Janine, and so we're seeing that this this chick was a tough cookie at one point. You know what I mean? Like she's she's had to, had some adversities, but but I think Aunt Lydia. I mean, these are the people. Not to be political, but to be, but to be political, these are the kind of people that voted for Trump. And the thing is, is because yeah. their interest was more based on their religious beliefs. And those things that they have that have been instilled in them and they have indoctrinated into their system and their psyche, like right now in the political climate that's going on, there's all these great things that that are happening that, you know, there's money that's being pushed and there's new changes being made and that sort of a thing. And when there is nothing that the GOP can criticize, so to speak, they will go after abortion gay marriage, trans rights, because those are the three hot button issues that are always going to get the religious contingent back up in arms and back on their side. And so I think Aunt Lydia is one of those kind of things that it's always been like, you do the right way, do the right way. We're always going to lead for God, lead for God, lead for God. And then this other stuff is happening. And then June kind of gives it to her. This place is violent. You know, when she tells her that, you know, like this place is just violent, you know, you this is and this is all your fault. You've done this to all these girls. And so when she tries to blame June for everybody's dying, because if you know, it's you, it's your decision that you've made to be this person and to 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 perpetuate it. It's it's a fascinating show. I am happy that I've that I've jumped right back in. What were you saying? Yeah. I actually was on Facebook and it's funny because we talked about the two things that there's an actual meme of it going around right now of like, this is the future, which was Star Trek that the progressive wants, the left wants. And then on the right, there's like the handmaid's tale. like, this is the future that the right wants. And I was like, this totally makes complete sense in the conversation that we're having (laughs) right now. Cause that one as Star Trek is extremely Um, progressive. I mean, body modifications, everything along those lines. And then here is, 
hey, wrap it up and you can't get approval unless it's from a man situation yeah. in Handmaid's Tale. So the 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 controversy and the, the direction of this conversation is one great itself, but um, it's really interesting to watch Handmaid's Tale and see how something so small can be torn away or what people would do within power. And I mean, Serena basically also just wanted to throw this out there real quick. Serena was one of the contributors in forming this nation too. Yeah. So, was Ivanka Trump? I mean, Ivanka Trump? I mean, is that what yeah. we're saying? Serena was modeled yeah. after Ivanka Trump? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and so it's really, I mean, as much as we want to harp on um, Aunt Lydia's dealings and she's just as bad she's serena we want to feel bad it's not worse it's not worse and pregnant now we're gonna see how that turns oh, out. oh exactly yeah but do we think she really is pregnant do we think she really is and they're not just yeah i think she is okay. uh, just before we move on to that um i just wanted to comment on the uh the june and janine dynamic and the fact that it's now them because the janine's character is special in that uh she provides uh, the voices for both sides because uh, so I grew up in the Catholic church, right? I went uh -huh. to the Catholic school, yada, yada, yada. Um, so when, when she, when, you know, when she first goes to this abortion or this uh, pre crisis pregnancy center or whatever you want to call it. There you go. Um, yeah. That's what it's called. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, CPC, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, a lot of what the lady that was working there that was saying to her kind of rings true. It's kind of true that sometimes, you know, pregnancy can be very transformative for the man because remember she asked, she's like, does the, does the father mm -hmm. know? And she said, no. Oh, well, then why? Because, you know, off and on boyfriend. Um, so, um, and then also, you know, Janine thinks that she wouldn't, she can't take on the responsibility of a second child. And so, you know, the lady there was saying, you know, it's amazing what people will do when the circumstances shift and they have to step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. All of those things are actually true. Those are mm -hmm. true things. It's amazing what uh, what what the, the, the human soul will go through when adversity is presented to itself. However, what what that also showcases is that at the end of the day, it is her right because it is her body and her choice and no one else's except herself. Mm -hmm. And so she's able to, you know, cause she eventually finds the abortion clinic and they did a really good job with the woman that was working there because she laid it out flat and clear. You know, she said, she's all, you know what, do you want to do this? Did anyone coerce you into doing that? And you know what, anything else is not my business. It's mm -hmm. your business. <laughs> I am just here to to allow this to happen and, and get this to you. Mm -hmm. um, so it highlights both sides of the argument. And now that you bring that in with June, because she, because Janine has has known has been part of that compromise, like she's done the brain work for that. Um, so I'm curious as to see how their relationship is going to evolve because, uh, you know, sorry, spoiler alert, but June was not going to, can we curse, can we like say things on this? Oh my God, yeah, can, totally. Okay, cool. Right. <laughs> you know, June wasn't, didn't give that guy a blowjob that found them. She was yeah. like, you know what, I am not going to suck your dick right now because my high ground, my morals are here and we're just going to move on. Well, Janine behind June's back went to go it. and do it. <laughs> and so because of that, they're able to stay there. Yeah. And so uh, it's funny because what we're seeing is that maybe the whole extremist that, that June presents 
isn't necessarily the right way, you need to have some sort of compromise. So what it's just really introducing is it's introducing all the gray area because there's a lot of issues that just aren't black and white. Well, you saw that mainly in that episode where June was with the 14-year-old wife, Mrs. Keys, and she was like, then why the fuck are you here? If you're not going to like, yeah, come, exactly. come up, if we're not going to like hurt them. <laughs> and so I think for the first couple of episodes, we see where June's head is going because she still wants to play like, Hey, let's plot this out. Let's plot. Let's plot. Let's plot. And people are like, we're done. We're like it's we're done plotting. Action. We just need to go. We, we need to need do it. it. And so why the fuck are you here? Let's poison this one. And yeah. let's do this. And let's do that. And all hell's breaking loose. And mm-hmm. so it's been, it's becoming this whole um, transitionary period where I do think maybe one more season will do. Yeah, it could get crazy after that. But she got captured. She's getting tortured. Well, I love all that this stuff is just happening. That I think that they well, really want to just shut it up to her to scorched if, earth this. It feels like we're finally changing it because like a lot of these shows that we watch that like that are have these epic seasons, that kind of thing. Like if you look at a uh, Walking Dead and if you look at, you know, uh, other series, there is a big point where we have to change the scene. We have to change the energy. We have to change that. And so we've been kind of in the house with them in the uniforms. Everything has been very clean. And now we're getting a view of what's really happening outside the walls of Gilead, you know? And so the thing is, is it's really not as nice as ever, you know, what they're telling their people in their homes are Gilead is the, is a wonderful place. There's a place where front lines are going. It's a war we're winning, blah, blah, blah. But then now we're seeing June and Janine run over to the front lines. Now they are there and they're seeing really that just because you're out doesn't make things better because there's monsters all over the place. You know what I mean? And so these people who are, yeah, there was these people who were supposed to be saving them. Everything is an exchange. Everything is, you know, what are you going to give me so I can give something back to you? That kind of thing. Outside of the system. Well, yes. and that's and that's the whole thing. So it was a trading a sexual favor for, you know, you get to stay here. And June still has that trauma. She has not moved past that part of it, which is why, you know, with with the little with with, with the younger girl at the farmhouse. Why do what you need to do? June wasn't yeah. going to suck this guy's dick. It was just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but Janine looks at it as an exchange. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, who's, who I really got to like, we got to have a conversation about though is Nick. Oh, I don't understand what, how, cause he kind of left. Uh, what was it? The last season, we didn't really see him. And then he just comes back in guns and blazing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, well, they so removed him. They removed him from the home and they pushed him over uh-huh. to another place. And so a place where he can die, but you know, essentially, you know what I mean? Like he's not in not a, a private guard anymore. Um, he, his character is, it's going to be a tragic character. I mean, like we, I, I feel like we can see the writing on the wall for him. Like he's going to make an ultimate sacrifice at some point. That's my Modern personal view. In my, in my opinion. Yeah. That's my opinion. He's making out with June in front of all of his men. <laughs> on the bridge agree. i'm like wait what how is this <laughs> you're just gonna do that okay you're making out the handmaid <laughs> like i mean it's romantic and it's romanticized but there has to be some sort of repercussions for that yeah but then they always give you like the reality of like okay but her husband's at home with her kid <laughs> you know what i mean like he's yeah, waiting for her and he's now dealing with this and 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 trying to keep everything on the up and up it's it's deep i am appreciating it i think we're going to see a lot more war now it's going to get dirty it's going to get gritty you know and i'm here for it i think yeah. it's going to be through the range stuff like there's going to be handmaids 
fighting, throwing Molotov cocktails in the streets. So <laughs> I think it's building up to something along those lines of just a total revolt from everybody. Well, the handmaids, and, we only got two left at this it, point. Like, like <laughs> right. they really did just kind of like, okay, well, this is where we're gonna go, <laughs> you know? And like, uh-huh. it just they got rid of a lot of people. Spoiler alert, but I already said, we already have all these spoilers in here. I know Eric likes the show and I know <laughs> Roman in our in our talks you aren't so much into the reality show things okay so but we gotta talk a little bit about circle but let's talk about reality shows in general um and so with the circle too okay so if you guys haven't been watching the circle is another series over on Netflix it is a co- competition very much like a big brother or survivor where a bunch of people are put into a situation and they have to outlast and then they have to outplay everybody else in this the people are all basically in a big apartment building and each person gets their own individual apartment and they all communicate through each other through a social app called the circle which is on their TVs which they talk back and forth through um, the series is now over. Are you caught up completely with season two? I'm done. I'm done. I was. I watched the season <laughs> finale at 12:05 the day it came out. Okay. I was ready. <laughs> you were just. You were ready. I was very happy with with the win. I don't want to give away the winner on here. We won't say the winner's name, but we could just speak yeah. about it. We can allude to it. I was very happy. I was up for three people that I wanted to see win this, and one of the people who I thought should win it won the whole game. So. Yeah. I mean, they played a really good game and they played very true. I love that the reveal. <laughs> I love the reveal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the You're love so story. pretty. <laughs> like everybody was so pretty. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I love, in general, I just love Chloe Trevor, uh, Trevor, AKA uh, Denisha. Delisa. Delisa. And uh, then I also, I don't know, I, I liked River a little bit. But Courtney was a no-go for me because just the scamming from the get-go with the Joker situation and all that stuff. See, but I thought it was he played a good freaking game. So he knew he played a good game though, to make mm-hmm. other people think that using verbiage from somebody else and catfishing everybody in the first couple episodes to make, to get somebody eliminated, genius. It was great. Um, but the whole overall, the whole show was uh, but they they did less people this season. So they didn't mm-hmm. bring as many people in the end as they did in the first season. So I think there was at least like nine or 10 people or 12 people last mm-hmm. season. And I, it, I, what I recognize is that they slowed it down in the transition of eliminating people for the season because there weren't as many numbers and people rolling COVID. through. COVID. I mean, it really so, is. That, that's really what's happened with a lot of these reality shows is that they had people that, you know, um, I want to say like the Big Brother, Big Brother All-Stars that just played last year when they everybody went into seclusion. And so how Big Brother usually works is that they put all of the members, especially when it goes into the celebrity one, everybody who's competing in the show all goes into um, isolation themselves. So when, when Ross Matthews did it for Celebrity Big Brother like two years ago, they put him in a hotel for like two weeks. And so, and this is before COVID, it was just so this way he didn't know who else was going to be on the show, you know, that kind of a thing. And so it's, that's how they play that game. Well, when it happened with the COVID situation is that everybody went into lockdown for two weeks because they needed to make sure that they can all come back together. So they put everybody in isolation so they can get it into a bubble. There was a few people who were in that, that um, they were scheduled to go and they ended up contracting COVID and they could not 
film. And so they weren't even added to the season. And so oh, that's no. one of the things that I've heard about the circle is that there were some other people, but they tested positive. So they were not allowed to move into the building. Mm. So that's one of the things I think that, that kind of came from. It was really ironic yeah. because the show is about quarantining yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think they, but they, but at the same time, they don't want somebody sick inside of a room and then they have to bring that person food and blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. And so it's, out. it's everything else. So, I mean, the moment that you had COVID, if you were on a set, you had to shut everything down. I think that was one of the th- parts. Oh. Okay. I want to know though, um, cause you said that you had applied for, for this season. So what was that application process like? Did you just go online and fill something out? Uh, yeah. So you, well, technically, yes, it, 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 you just go on there and I had gotten a notification because for, it took what? a year and a half for this new season to come out, two years almost. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I went on, and as soon as I watched this first season of The Circle, I went on and I followed their Twitter, their Insta, everything above. And then eventually, probably right right before the pandemic hit, they everybody, they sent out a mask, like, you need to sign up if you want to do this. A uh, lot of questions, a lot of essay answers. How would you strategize? you know, would you play yourself? Would you not play yourself? Because uh, if Roman doesn't know so much, a lot of people are catfishes uh-huh. on the show. So you just present a, a circle picture of who you want to be. Yeah, It's, it's literally, you're, you're playing social media. You're, you're literally, you're playing social media as a game on this show. And so you create a profile, you give yourself a picture, you give yourself a bio, a name, a, an age, what your occupation is. And then you get in and you try to make connections with people. And mm-hmm. you make them all via online. So it's just like when Twitter first started, like Twitter now is like a dump truck. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's <laughs> full of everything. But when Twitter first started back like in 2009 or whatever, 2008, um, it was a place that you just kind of like, oh, this person likes cats and he likes dogs and he likes, you know, tacos. And I like cats, dogs and tacos. Well, I'll follow this person. And so that's the whole thing is that so you start following people because they have similar interests in you. And then you start yeah. to fade in a relationship with somebody who is just literally an icon and in, in text. And so that's what this, and that's what the story, that's, that's what the show is about, is that all these people are yeah. doing that. And then you have to kind of create alliances with people. But at the same time, you don't know that Eric might have went in as Eric, but I might go in and I might be Stacy who works at Contempo Casuals and <laughs> I have, and I have two small dogs and I'm going to play that game so I can flirt with the boys. And so I can look, you know, less assuming that kind of thing. So then question for you then. Uh, so then what's the, so what's the premise outside of that? So obviously it's an elimination thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are people, why and how are people eliminated? So you you're- can be eliminated for any reason whatsoever if you get ranked too low, but in the first one, these uh, they create influencers. I am an influencer. I wish I could call my mom. Okay. So basically the top two people of the week get voted in uh-huh. and then they go and have a meeting and uh-huh. depending on their alliances and stuff like that, they go to a separate room where they sit for, across from each other in a, in, a, in a phone booth sort of situation uh-huh. and they just talk it out and they go, who the hell are we blocking? And so they just sometimes decide, oh, I don't like how that person talked to me. I don't like this or I think they're a catfish because oh I mean, if you're on a TV show, the first one, um, you're gonna try and make a good imprint when uh-huh. you first go in impression and people oftentimes know not to go with a model photo when you walk in 
mm-hmm. uh, because people won't believe that you're real and they'll instantly typically <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's well, basically teaching people how to be sneaky motherfuckers <laughs> well it's that and it's also trying to teach people how to how do you create a connection when there is none like really that's that's yeah. a big part of it is that you're just you're literally logging into a social network and there's seven people in there and so let me talk to this person he's kind of cute let me see what he's about let me and then he may something that doesn't say something that doesn't align with what you align with you know or and then like the girls all got together and they were like hey girls let's start a girl alliance because let's because and we know the guy, we know the guys are going to all come after us well as the girls are all sitting there in the girl alliance the girl named emily is actually played by a boy so they don't yeah. know that they're talking to a, a boy is in the room as well. Yeah, because you don't you don't know who's catfishing. Yeah. And so what happens with with the whole thing is when you become an influencer is that once, you know, once a week or whatever, the little thing tells you, please rank everybody in order of how much, you know, in order of how much you like them and how much you want to keep on working with them. Yeah. And so and sometimes you may be strategic because you may be thinking, well, Eric is going to get a lot of likes from people and I don't want him to be an influencer. So I'm going to mark him as wow. my, he's going to, he's going to be my bottom person. So he doesn't get an influencer status because I know I'm almost. Even as though pencil. I may have an alliance with him, I don't want him above me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to put him down here. And then everybody else is thinking like, oh, da, 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 da. and then I can, I can be the most popular and kind person of the week or whatever it may be. But because everybody thinks that I'm going to get those votes, they all put me on fifth. I can just end up gone. This sounds what, like a psychology experiment. That's <laughs> it, it. Really is. Watch it. Watch, I would say what I like about the circle in regards to like a lot of other like reality shows is it doesn't make you feel dirty and gross at the end because there is a resolution. If you get voted out, okay. So if Eric was 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 all of a sudden he's voted out of this game. Well, Eric has the opportunity to go meet somebody in their apartment before he yeah. leaves. And, oh, nobody, yeah. and, and, and nobody else and nobody else gets to know that he's meeting them. Like, like hey, so yeah. where are you? What's so going on here? Er, so Eric shows up at, you know, like I had a really, really great relationship. Like Eric is thinking in his mind, I had a great relationship with D'Angelo. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go talk to D'Angelo and see if he really is D'Angelo and blah blah blah. So then he, Eric shows up at my apartment, knocks on the door, and I'm apologizing and I'm saying, I'm so sorry you got kicked out. And then Eric, <laughs> we we might have really been in a great relationship and he just got kicked out. So Eric comes to tell me, This is what's going on behind your back. So and so talked about you. Yeah, like they just they'll come in and they will just nullify everybody else's game and throw these bombs in and then they leave and then all of a sudden a little thing will come up on the screen and they'll be like okay well they they're going to reveal and so and sometimes there was uh, they play a video and you can find out what they wanted to they, they yeah. drop hints stuff. spoiler so here's a spoiler for you is that when some somebody gets watch- yeah it's it's great somebody gets kicked out of the house i won't tell you who but then they bring in Lance Bass and Lance yep. Bass appears on the screen. It's his, it's his picture. I was formerly in, in, in sync and blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, Lance Bass. Oh, this has to be oh, sure. And then they start talking. Oh my God, it really is Lance. And Lance is telling everybody, Oh, well we're all locked up in quarantine. So I decided to do something cause I'm a very competitive person, blah, 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 blah. Well, then all of a sudden they show Lance and it's actually his assistant of 15 years and she's playing as him. So she knows everything that you need to know about him. And so people are kissing Lance's bat, Lance's ass because I want to know somebody for Ben Singh, you know, and it's that kind of a thing. So it's, it's very interesting that way. I found it a lot of fun. And when they got into the sob stories of like why they wanted their hundred thousand dollars, like 
I got into a moment. It was like, oh, give it to her. No, give it to him. <laughs> because like, they really had reasons of why. And then like, some people are like, I just, I want to take care of my family. And other people are like, well, my dad is dying and he has one arm. Blah, and I want to buy him an arm. <laughs> but, but how, but who knows if that's even true? Like, exactly. Like, that's exactly. They're going to, they're going to say whatever it is. So that way they can get clout from the audience. Like it's just, no, it's not the audience. It's just the other people in the room. Yeah. But listen, but listen, Oh, so are they telling themselves why yeah, they want to win? The final vote is how everybody rates you. So in the final end, <laughs> it's like one through five because other people get eliminated. One through five, who would you like to see absolutely win? And then comes so the best strategy. It's whoever can lie the best. In no, sense, or some, some people, people are telling the most earnest story. Like one guy really does, his his dad died and he wanted to take care of his mom and blah, 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 blah. And he was really telling a real story. But then I may jump in there and I'm being- That's a real story. You don't. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> yeah, so you have to that's play- what, That's what's scary. That's, what, that's why I'm like very hesitant is because- you know, it creates this insidious atmosphere of like lies and deceit and this and that. And so, you know, it just creates a lot of mistrust and doubt. And so that's one of the reasons why I have an aversion to watching stuff like that, because I feel like life is already toxic enough as it is. <laughs> and so I don't want to then sit, you know, in front of this screen and absorb that because you're absorbing the energy. You're, you're absolutely 100% applying what, you, you, what you've learned from what you're watching over this time, over the series of the show, to how you go about your everyday. But like, like <laughs> said though, like Angela said though, I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's a positivity to this because at the end of it, I think that majority of the time, people know what they're getting into when they go on this show. Because when they and go, so, if you do get but, kicked out, you do run over and you're like, you played such a great game. You played yeah. such mm -hmm. a good game. That's the thing that they're telling each other. It's just like on Survivor is that you may be pissed because you got voted off the island. But then you have to sit there and you have to judge everybody and you have to say, who played this game the best? Because you yeah. are playing, because that, that's what it is. It's, it's made up. There's a difference between like the competition reality shows, I think, more than, um, than a reality show for reality show's sake. Like if you watch like a Housewives or like a Don't Be well, Tardy for the Party. Yeah, and that's what I think also. Like <laughs> that shit's toxic. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> See, I love American my Housewives. I <laughs> love the Housewives. American Gladiators? Remember? Yeah. It's yeah, like that. Like, that's cool. I'm like, okay, you know, here's this like glammed up, like obstacle courses that they have to go through like that. That's cool. Like, uh, but w when you would ask me about reality TV, mm -hmm. that immediately it goes to the housewives, it goes to the Kardashians, it goes to this, it goes to that. And I just cannot. I used to live uh, in New York. My roommate uh, worked for um, Sephora uh -huh. and, he, you know, he so he was kind of in that world and when he would come home from work he literally would go straight to the tv and watch reality tv from from the second he got home to from work until mm -hmm. he went to bed and i just like all the things that are fed to you and the fact that it's it's called reality tv that just like it's lots of sense of it i mean the thing is is like reality tv now i mean like you you should know that it's produced. Like my 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 argument for like like a Housewives kind of a show. I watch Housewives differently than I think some other people do, and I've talked about it like even here on, on this podcast. 
I don't watch Real Housewives of like Beverly Hills and think like, oh, what is Kyle going to do to Denise Richards, blah, 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 blah. What it really is, is that you should watch those shows kind of like a sports show as well. Like if you're watching like a sporting event, because these girls. <laughs> I mean, because, because, <laughs> yeah, well, the whole thing is, is you want to. Like well, that. well, that's the thing is like on RuPaul's Drag Race, you don't necessarily need to win. And the same thing for like Real Housewives. You don't need, there's no like winner, but you want the most screen time because then that can, that that will impact your social media reach. It'll impact your, your, uh, yeah, your sponsorships, how much money you're going to be taking in for different things. Like that's, that's kind of how I look at it. So like, if you look at like a Housewives in that sense that, you know, right now on New York Housewives, that's a prime example because they have only they have five new ones. They have a new. They finally have a black cast member on there, and they've they've they opened this up, and you can see that the girls who have been on since the very first season have now kind of in the back and off the off season. They've called truces. We need to work on our screen time together, and we're not going to get screen time together if we're fighting the whole time. So you and I have to get along, and yeah. we can fight that other bitch because she's the one who we will try to get out of the show or whatever. But let's let's make sure that we're on the right stand, uh, right yeah. right status. So that's the kind of thing I think that happens with like a lot of reality shows. When you think about it, though, I mean, like yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that like I don't even watch. Like I don't love you know, my 600 pound life and that sort of thing. Cause I do feel I, like, I, a, I don't like that. Oh, see, I don't like that. Oops, see, <laughs> see, <laughs> see, I think that that, I think that that is a little bit more toxic. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's so, it's so hurt. Like I've seen hurt, painful to watch for me. Cause I'm just, she is just, they're discomforted. They yeah. are, they are most of the time like struggling and it's hard to watch that. I'd rather watch a game of strategy and wits um and especially when you do look at it in the way that you're talking about especially going mm -hmm. back to the circle i don't think that particularly somebody who won cash is the winner there are people who can win or just get that screen time and turn that into a whole career well there's and, there's a girl in the like, circle right now who was on chloe. a reality show her name is chloe she was on a reality yeah. show called too hot to handle last year which was toxic that one yeah. was like it was a reality dating show but they were all told that they weren't allowed to have sex or they weren't allowed to kiss and each time that somebody did they took more money off their bottom line but this girl oh, wow. this yes. girl became like the hot like the like the one who you were like she's fun she's a little bit crazy and then on this you fall in love with her because she's so she's so just loving and honest and true last night we were watching oh let's talk about this because we're gonna let's just get right into it before we end because we're, we're running out of time here the category is pose so Pose is on right now. Yeah, so Pose is like in a second episode. And one of the things that um, we were watching it last night and what, they, what, they're, what they're choosing right now to use as a, um, as a story element is the O.J. Simpson trial. And the O.J. Simpson trial was really the very first reality show we really ever had. Um, Court TV, Court TV is the first reality shows. And OJ Simpson was the first time I think that we really it, it really gripped a whole nation to watch from the time that he was in that Bronco up until the time that he got his, you know, not guilty verdict. Spoiler, who doesn't know that? Um, but, <laughs> but like, but like, you know, so I think that that was like the original like reality of the show in a, in a sense. I did love how that that's how that they brought 
the whole family back together though is that everybody came back in and they're all watching the oj simpson and then they're also giving a political commentary about this black man he's a celebrity no he's not he's a wonderful guy we love him the white people yeah he's he's, he's a white man now so how are you guys liking the new season of pose what are we feeling Well, I actually oh. haven't started watching it yet because I was too busy. Girl. Watching it. <laughs> so I need to like, yeah, I need to, I need to catch up on that. But that is a really good way to, to start the season off. Oh, they, I think that's, a, that's a what they've they done is, is because each, each season jumps ahead in time. So this, I think the last one we ended in 19, 1990, 1989 or whatever. And this season starts in 1994. So we are now ahead of time and so spoiler or not spoiler is that we're basically seeing how Blanca's family and how you know the house of evangelista has all you know where is um where's angel like where is she at right now and like where is huh? no this whole season is a lot of addiction a lot of addiction in this season secrets the whole season is secrets. The very first episode, that, that the thing I took away from the very first episode was everybody's got a secret. And it's because yeah. you you have your family, you have all your really close friends, but then, and you see everybody together. And then when everybody pulls apart and you see everybody like, not pull apart, but when you see you go home and you go home, well, what's Eric doing at home? What's D'Angelo doing when he's <laughs> at home? And it's like, this person's drinking a lot now. This person is having a great life. This person's studying. Um, I did hear... We're not going to see much of the actor who plays Damon this season. Oh. Which is, so well, the, they were like he's 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 dealing with some situations because apparently he became a hardcore alcoholic in the in his character himself mm-hmm. and is running yeah. around doing God knows what at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what they did was is they show him at the very beginning of the season. You're seeing he's found his inner peace and that sort of a thing. And so don't want to give away too much of that to you, but. And then Dang. the second the second episode, he's not there, and they give a reason for why he's not there. The real reason, which I actually I had to look it up, and I was like, why did they write him off the show? He actually just he needed some time away, and even though it was the last season, his sister was tragically killed last summer. And oh so, wow! Yeah, she was. She this, was. Which one, which one, who is this that uh, that you're talking about? He's one of the main characters in Damon he, the Dancer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he's yeah, not going to be in like a lot of like the the first episodes. I have a feeling he's coming back as we get yeah. a little bit further along. But it's perpetuating yeah. the story. MJ Rodriguez's character Blanca. I have completely <laughs> fallen in love with her. <laughs> and her. if she does not get nominated for a bunch of awards this year, it's broke. The system is broke. Like this, seriously. Yeah. I, I think that her. Her her whole premise of just you know she's trying to do the best she can by everybody and everybody's just got their secrets got their own dealings and she kind of put it on her shoulders to make sure that everybody's okay and and she's trying to do her best but the moment something falls to the ground people are usually like Blanca whatever handle your own stuff and especially Billy Porter pray tell just goes off on everybody but Blanca <laughs> she's just really trying to keep that mother figure and the family alive uh, but she's also dealing with her own stuff while everybody else is just running them up they made her a mom they made they her, her they made mom. her a mom i mean really they 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 did take that that narrative and they they gave it to her and she's run with it so it's it's kind of amazing 
Okay, you guys, I have kept you guys for way over an hour. And so I don't want to like make you guys like feel like you guys are hostages here. I really appreciate you guys coming on today. And so is there anything else that you guys wanted to promote today besides Tragic Mess? Is there anything else coming up? Um, yeah, well, so, uh, so the studio that you see behind us, uh, this is Seamless Podcast Studios. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're home, uh, to, no, Tragic Mess is home to a Seamless Podcast right now, Mm -hmm. um, in addition to other episodes. So you can, you can check out all of the, uh, other podcasts on SeamlessPodcast.com. So shout out to Darren Anderson, who is the owner of Seamless Podcast. Uh, thank you for allowing (laughs) us, uh, (laughs) <laughs> for allowing us refuge in the world of podcast podcastery <laughs> and have a place yeah. to really put out quality content and all that different stuff yeah exactly so it works out really well so if anybody is interested in starting a podcast and needs a studio to do so you can contact me roman r-o-m-a-n at cyberhive san diego.org and i would be more than happy to set up a meeting uh, to see if we can uh, if we can be of a mutually beneficial agreement for each other. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then Something. I think over here, as far as it goes, of course you got to follow Tragic Mess Podcast. So you can find it at, at Tragic Mess Podcast, all one word, um, either on Facebook or on Instagram. But again, this is Eric Benson, and you can mm-hmm. find me on uh, Instagram under OMG underscore ITS underscore Eric B. I made that in college, so don't judge it. OMG, it's Eric B. <laughs> I will put this but, information uh, in our show notes too, so you guys can just click and, and find them. So. We'll <laughs> But um, I'm really uh, getting into the groove of starting to really uh, create and grab the uh, Eric Benson Arts, at Eric Benson Arts, with a K, Mm -hmm. E-R-I-K, Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N, R-T-S. I'm really taking over that one. So I have ericbensonarts at gmail.com if you want to uh, look into getting some art from me. But also you can follow my Instagram and there's some other pages that if you type that in, you'll be able to pretty much find me. So promoting my art. You can also follow my Instagram. Everybody loves Roman. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's spelled the way that it sounds, except loves is L-U-V-S instead of L-O-V-E-S. Uh, yeah. So you can contact me through there as well. beautiful you guys make sure that you guys are listening to tragic mess podcast it is tragic mess the dark comedy and trauma podcast you guys can find it everywhere you guys listen to podcasts i listen to them on stitcher but i also have them i'm subscribed to you guys in two places hey so and also on apple podcast um but make sure you guys listen to them it is a great pod it really does get deep but they do have a light air to how they present all their information and so I appreciate you guys so much for coming on today. This has been such a joy for me. And uh, this is it's just always fun that I get to talk to new people all the time. And so it was wonderful meeting you today, Roman. Yes. yes. I know. When you were like, hey, you, I was like, I was like, we should do something together. You're like, yeah, what trauma have you had? And I'm like, damn. Um, <laughs> What trauma have I had? So like, I know I have a, I have a good story for you guys. So I will I will save it for your podcast. I'm not going to tell it here. And so and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up and then we'll refer it back over. But you guys, this has been another episode of Bald and Bingeable. Make sure you guys make sure you guys like and subscribe to this wherever you guys are listening to. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Other than that, you guys can find me at D'Angelo Gogo on Instagram and over on Twitter, D-A-N-G-I-L-O-G-O-G-O. Or you guys can find me on D'Angelo on TikTok. That is blowing up right Right now and there's a lot of new people that i've been meeting over there and so we're gonna be bringing more of those guests on pretty soon from the tiktok era so thank you guys so much tragic mess for joining us today and this has been another episode of all the bingeable 
Good night from the lower level. Good night from the lower level.